good New York? It's the Harvester Colin Atrophy. Welcome to the 13th episode of Radio Harvester, what we talk about when we talk about pizza. And uh, this month's guest is my friend Osa Atoy, who does Shotgun Seamstress Fanzine, which is probably one of the best zines to come out in the past 10 years. Issue 8 just came out, like, like a day or two ago just came out, like, man, maybe a week ago. So go online, look for that, buy it, you know, and then read it, and you'll be better off for it. And Shotgun Seamstress, in Osa's words, is a zine that's by, for, and about black punks. And I think, you know, it's like interviews with people that are in bands now, well-researched articles about bands that had black members in the past. And uh, I think it's really important to document because, you know, there's like a legit criticism of punk being like a mostly white thing or whatever. And I think that's real. And I think that it's important that we problematize the ways that punk as a community is off-putting or unwelcoming for people of color. And I think that's, that's like a legit thing. But I also think that that criticism sometimes results inadvertently in erasing the presence of people of color that have been and are a part of our community. And so having someone like Osa, who is documenting that from a place of love and care rather than a place of exploitation and exoticization, is really cool. So here she is. I was like alternative. I just liked um, like the Smashing Pumpkins and like the Breeders and stuff like that a lot. Cool. Where'd you grow up? In the suburbs of DC in Virginia. Okay. And so yeah, I was thinking about it late recently, and I feel like I was kind of just like a sort of like regular kid going to punk shows. Like I wasn't like. Like, being a punk wasn't part of my identity, but I just gravitated to, like, the music and, like, going to shows. I was just, like, was really into going to shows. So, like, when I was, like, 17, 18, 19, I would go to, like, the punk shows at, like, Wilson Center in D.C. And then, like, the same night, go to, like, an indie show at Black Cat. You know, like, I was at a bar or whatever. And, yeah, it wasn't really about, like... I wasn't part of like a punk scene. I just was like into like the bands and then like the punk scene, like being a part of a punk scene kind of came later. Well, like when I was maybe like 20 and like moved to Portland. I look back on like when I was, you know, like around 17 years old and like how I was just basically gravitating towards music and like an aesthetic and like a DIY ethic that I thought was really powerful. And like, I kind of like get, I mean, I don't know. There's like so much like, backlash against nostalgia and punk and like I'm not one of those people like I love thinking back on like you know like whatever the glory days were even if they weren't perfect but I love thinking of myself as someone who is just like just in love with like indie and punk and like DIY and like I wasn't being critical in those ways but the, but how I related to punk though at that point was yeah. not being part of it because I wasn't like a uniform wear like and right. until this day like I'm kind of not like I never felt like um, I never felt comfortable like 
I guess what I was getting from punk at that time was like I wanted an escape from the shit that I grew up with, which was like you had to have the right clothes to be cool, you know, like there were like tons of like mean preppy kids in my high school that all had like, you know, gap and guess and Benetton and Esprit and like I was really sad that I didn't have any of that shit when I was younger and like right. so like I don't know, like finding about like uh, finding out about Indian punk to me was like supposed to be like an escape from like feeling like you had to fit in in like those kind of like uh, whatever um, I don't know like cliche and like superficial ways. So I feel like I don't know. I was kind of like I didn't look the part. Like no one. I don't know. I remember going to shows and like they'd be like hanging out flyers and like would kind of skip me sometimes or whatever. Like. Whoa. I mean, and yeah, like I'm sure it had to do with race, but I think it also had to do with me like not looking punk as f Right. You know, like I was just doing my thing. Like I was kind of more like a loner than anything. And like, I don't know, like looking back on that time, I wasn't really critical about like class and like how come there are not more black people here necessarily. I was just kind of like on the fringes. Sure. But like for other reasons on top of being wreck, you know, and so then I moved to Portland. Uh, I mean, I was dating someone who was moving back to Portland. He'd already lived there at the time. I, my other best friend <laughs> in DC at the time was like, had, had lived in Portland before and was just like, you'll love it. It's like really cheap. There's tons of women that play music. So that's when I started feeling like part of a large, large scene of like DIY and punk people or whatever. And then, but it was like a predominantly white scene, and right. it was a very political scene. So people were constantly like discussing politics and radical politics, and specifically like anti-racist politics. But it was basically all white people. Right. So it put someone like me in a really like confusing situation that I wasn't even actually able to f make a lot of sense of until I moved away from Portland altogether. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm the kind of person that processes things in delay a lot of the time. Like, I'm in it, and I can't really make a lot of sense of, out of it. And then five years later, I get really clear-headed about it, and I'm actually able to verbalize what happened. So that's why I'm able to speak about it, like, this clearly now. Yeah, But yeah. at the time, I, feel that. I, I, I had a lot of feelings and could not explain why I was feeling that way. And I mean, I felt very empowered as a woman playing music in Portland. I was in tons of bands. Um, I felt empowered in a, in a sense of DIY because there was just so much room to participate constantly. But I think it was just very confusing. I'm, I'm not gonna say it was like super f***ed up. I don't have any specific memories of things being like super f***ed up for me as like a black person in punk. It was just very isolating yeah. and confusing because you're around a bunch of white people who are like processing their racism and like practicing being anti-racist and going to like anti-racist trainings, but there's like barely any brown people around. Right, and they're maybe like doing a lot of workshopping that stuff in conversation with you, and that's probably pretty awkward. It was just awkward. Yeah. It was just awkward and confusing. And I moved to Oakland looking for that like queer people of color community. Yeah, I guess I feel like Shotgun seems just kind of came out, like, out of being, like putting myself in a situation where I was surrounded by like other K-pop folks. Even though in the end it was kind of a bust and we all had a bunch of drama and there were like, sure, you know, whatever. And we were like really young and like I think we were also like expecting way too much of each other. Like, because uh -huh. we had been so like isolated and burned by like our white communities. I think we like wanted like utopic K-pop community and there was just no such thing. 
Yeah, there's no utopic community (laughs) at all for any of us. And you can't put that um, pressure or like expectation on anyone else's head. Like we all had so much to figure out individually, you know? Yeah. So, but you know, in the end it was helpful. And like, I think it just gave me an an imagined audience to speak to. Because I like I actually had the idea for Shotgun Seamstress like since I lived in D.C. But it just was hard to like make it real because I didn't really have like an like an imagined audience. Right. You know, like like how do you write a black punk scene in a town where it's like all white punks? Like totally. Who, who do you feel like you're writing to? You know. But I think that like living in Oakland kind of gave like helped me envision my audience because I like made friends with like other black punks and other like punks of color in general and. So I moved back to Portland with my tail between my legs. And from Oakland, and then from you started Oakland. the zine? I started the zine and started New Bloods around the same time. It just makes me think um, about the ways that we relate to people. And I feel like in, um, like, I don't know, like, I want to say politically radical communities, but I also want to say PC communities. Yeah. And I use that word, that term really specifically. I just think that there's an expectation that you're only supposed to relate to other people on the basis of politics. Mm. Like, if you don't, I mean, like, that's something that I felt like I was going through. Like, when I moved to Oakland, I was just like, F- the white punks. And like, like, okay. and like, when you're talking about like Mimi having the patience to talk to you, and like answer the questions that you now think were like maybe stupid questions like to me that's like that's amazing to hear because I feel like at some point um, you know like I would just hear punks of color being like well it's not my job to like teach another white person you know all this stuff like if they want to know they can find out by themselves and it's that's that's true like theoretically that's true but like we, I don't know, like, I have experience of relating to people on, like, so many different levels, not just, like, along, like, social identity lines, you know? Right. Like, what if I just, like, Colin, I really, like, what if I just really <laughs> like you as a person, regardless of you being white or male or whatever, right. and just want to have this conversation with you? It's not that I owe you anything, and it's not that you're sapping, sucking me dry by asking me these questions necessarily. We just want to have that conversation because right. we're friends, because we like each other, you know what I mean? And, like, and I feel like somehow, sometimes that gets, that gets really lost, and it's, it's really hard. I don't know, like, I mean, I think... Like writing a zine that's about social identity has been kind of challenging because I'm a musician and just like music. Like, and I like all. I, like most of the bands I like have white people in them because I like punk. Right. You know. And but like, but it's interesting. It's like people assume that like I'm just gonna automatically like a band because there's a black member. I'm automatically gonna like a band because there's a woman in it or whatever. And I'm like, no, it's not that simple. It's right. more like. If I like the band and there happens to be a black person in it, I'm super stoked. But I'm not gonna like a band just because there's a black person in it. You know what I mean? And I don't know, like, like yeah, everything you're you're talking about just speaks to me on this theme that I've been thinking about, on um, like just kind of like liberating myself from just identifying by and relating to people based on social identity alone or politics alone because I know that I'm way more than that like I have friends that some of my other like very like like queer or radical or like you know tiny bubble community friends would think are like really f***ed up and like I know that they're f***ed up but we're still friends and we talk about how they're f***ed up you know and I'm and I'm not like 
Yeah, and I don't feel like I'm getting sucked dry by them or like I'm not taking this like it's not my job to educate you thing. Like I mean, and this is that's my personal stance. Like any everyone is free to navigate the world the way they want to. But sure. for me, like I'm black. I'm a woman, I'm queer, I'm a feminist, but like I'm so much more than those things and I relate to other people on other on, on other bases rather than just social identity, you know? And yeah, like totally. so like when it comes out of band like Fang, it's like I like Fang and I think they have I know they have f-ed up songs, you know? And I kind of accept and like with all the shit that like came out about like black flag and Greg Ginn and all that stuff. It's like I I still like Black Flag, and I accept like dysfunction as a part of our scene, you know, yeah. and as a part of our lives. And I understand if people are like you know like can are able to draw a hard line, um, and just draw those kind of hard lines. I've just like never been able to. It's just like it's not who I am. Um, I don't condone like that behavior. But I guess I've just never been one to like draw, or I can't say never, but the older I get, the less I'm able to draw the those hard lines, were, yeah. and the more I, I don't know, I also feel like I'm like, um, like kind of like accepting who I really, really am, rather than kind of like putting on this front of being like this perfect feminist, like POC princess or some shit, you know? Yeah, big time. Like, <laughs> I'm just not, you know? I don't know, I just, I just got to the point where I, I just, I appreciate artists for the art that they make, and I don't expect them to like reflect my beliefs back to me. Like, I have my beliefs and I make my own art to reflect my beliefs out into the world. I don't expect every artist that I love to respect my, to reflect my own beliefs back to me. Like, that's, that's boring. Thank you. Lucky 13 is now complete. The 13th episode. What am I, some rockabilly guy? Lucky 13. Tell Someone come here and tell me to go after myself because I'm being being a ding-dong. Um, listen, story of my life. Shouldn't have drank the whole French press. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, that was uh, Osa Atoy, Shotgun Seamstress Zine. You can check that out uh, by going to shotgunseamstress.blogspot.com. Uh, there's a book of the first six six episodes, I almost said, six issues of Shotgun Seamstress that's out on Men My Dress Press. Uh, look that up online and then buy it because it's really important. It's an important contribution to the punk scene and the writing is good and it looks really cool. Osa's really good at laying stuff out, uh, which maybe doesn't get mentioned enough, but Osa's a really cool design. Like, the design of her zines are incredible. Um, I guess also thank you to... Reed Dunley, my puff daddy. Thank you to uh, Laszlo Toth, who did some help with uh, taking notes on this for me. And thank you to Lakara Akulta, who wrote the theme song before this radio show was even, uh, I had ever even imagined it. They wrote that song years ago. And also thank you to the Buzzcocks for writing this song called Boredom that I am talking over as we speak. Um, cool. 
I don't know, man, Mercury is in retrograde in Gemini right now, and it's messing all my stuff up, and I don't know how to talk anymore, and I keep stuttering, and this is like the fifth take, so I'm just gonna give it up, and this was not a good outro, and y'all are gonna live, right? C'est la vie. Uh, no cops, no creeps. Peace in the pizzeria. I'm out.